मशीन Hi, you're listening to Attention Plus right here on Talking Stuff Network. I'm Vikram Mohan, and episode 52 is being recorded on 18th August 2019 India time. And before we begin, let me plug another podcast on the network. I've been doing this in recent days. Uh, Binge on, and Binge on is where Raj and I we pick a theme and recommend stuff to watch online. Episode five will be out this week, so uh, do subscribe and. Uh, catch up with the previous ones that's binge on b i n g e o n and now back to your show let me get our uh, host in arnab hey arnab uh, i meant to ask you this earlier uh, i think a couple of weeks it's been and you had tweeted that you were watching the tamil movie super deluxe i assume on netflix i don't remember if you uh, tweeted out your review but uh, what did you think of the movie did it translate well for you yes it i mean it it did i i felt that it wasn't it wasn't like the greatest movie that i'd ever seen i saw some of the reviews and some of the some of the reactions on twitter uh, again you know these these multiple stories coming together and around one random event in one story strand impacting the others we have seen this in, in many other movies like lock stock and two barrels i, I mean there's, there's, there's nothing new in this concept per se and most of the stories just didn't do anything for me actually except and maybe because i understand that there was a lot of references that were very local hyper local yeah pop to, culture uh, to the pop culture in chennai so i was obviously not getting those and i understood that there were these references i understood that there were these references they were not hitting for me so they were all cash misses and but the one that i really liked was the was the vijay sethupathi angle the 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 transgender story i think it was beautifully handled uh especially the ending the ending of that story where eric i don't want to spoil it for those of you who haven't seen it but what the little boy tells his his father i thought it was that was brilliantly articulated as to you know why he feels sad i i, I just felt this story i mean that story should have been should have been the movie i think whenever it was going on to these other parallel strands the one with ramya for instance i was just kind of switching off i mean okay it was okay it was worth following but there was nothing really great about it i much preferred uh his first movie Absolutely. in in totality so uh, aranyakandam right yeah aranyakandam with jackie shroff so aranyakandam in totality was a much better movie i think that there is just too much of it's just too much of trying to be you know especially that mafia angle it's just so much you know trying to be guidechi and uh, i have to ask you this again uh, again a spoiler alert for everyone so you might want to skip forward uh, and i'll just give you a second to skip forward if you don't if you didn't yet but uh, uh, what about the entire alien angle i mean that's where people yeah, yeah. get thrown off yes exactly so at the end it was like okay we have seen everything now let's now let's take it here and i understand that there is this that that there is this whole niche audience for speculative you know these kind of far out things and i totally understand that part but the thing is you can do something like this if you introduce the concept early on so as somebody who writes stories and i think i've said this before in the podcast that you pretty much out Uh, to do anything you want in your story but the conditions are that you need to lay down the preconditions early on so that the audience knows what rules they're working with like in the game of thrones world there are dragons yeah there are right. people who can change their faces so normally it doesn't make any sense but once you've laid out those rules and similarly for harry potter similarly for super deluxe once you lay out the rules it's fine but that whole angle comes so late into the movie so late into the movie that it just doesn't seem to be part of the set of rules for the universe so i felt that that just didn't work for me at all yeah, it kind of breaks things uh, like i said it breaks the universe don't it breaks the universe and it just it's just bizarre it, again there is a point at which you know movies which are out there they kind of cross the line into idle navel gazing so it's like hey look how cool i am right 
and, and it happens with a lot of directors. And I, I felt that this wasn't happening. It was, there was definitely not the case with Aranyakandam. But over here, especially some of the stories were fine. But then when it went to that, I just felt that it totally lost me there. Because again, if he wanted to go there, then he should have laid out the rules much earlier in the movie. Okay, before we move on, so would you recommend the movie, let's say, to somebody who, who as a subtitled movie? I would definitely recommend it, especially because most of us who are who are like not, uh, you know, not native Tamilians, we hardly have any exposure to any movie, which is at least for me, I only watch Bengali and mostly I watch Hindi movies, despite being a Bengali myself, I mostly watch Hindi movies. And the reason for that is much of Bengali movies just simply unwatchable. Because they're copies of Telugu movies, like really bad copies of really bad Telugu movies. So uh, I, I, I strongly recommend this to mostly people like me who think of Indian cinema as just Hindi cinema. That to see that there is, that there, that, that this, I mean, again, I would say this is way better than the average or even above average Hindi movie. There's, there's no doubt about that. So even with about, let's say, 70, 40% of the movie working, and for me at least, and 60% of the movie not working, it's still way better than any of the Hindi things, movies that I've seen in the last year. So it's definitely recommended. I think it could have been much better. I think there was a lot of directorial self-indulgence. That was not there in Aranyakandam. That that is now crept in, perhaps because the director has become a little bit more famous, so feels confident in taking what he believes are creative liberties. But I just think that they didn't work in this case. I mean, again, the point was that he didn't lay out the rules of his universe in advance. I think that was the problem. It was not so much what happens at the end. Okay, we've had, of course, a lot of uh, turmoil again in Kashmir dominating the news, but before we get to that, or if even if we get to that, we did have Ma'am Shobha Day in the news uh, after a long time. <laughs> and honestly, I, you know what, the moment I read this, the first thought that struck me was, oh man, I've got to get Arnav to talk about this. So here I have, I have the chance. So uh, please. So Shobha Day was somebody I, like, I discovered in the 90s by virtue of her books. So when you used to go to like bookstores, like pictures, like, you know, there, there was, there were these, there were all these other books. And then there were Shobhade books because Shobhade books always had, let's say, strange covers. <laughs> when <laughs> I put it strange, I mean, they literally leapt out of these very anodyne bookshelves, like the, the, the book next Right next was perhaps P. Acharjo's Bengali essays. And straight right next to there is a picture of the cover of Starry Nights, which had, for those of you who really remember the 90s, Krutika Desai on the cover. So there was, so, so Shobha Dei was, 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 she was ahead of her times. I think even before Chetan Bhagat, she kind of pioneered the pulp Indian fiction with like mild erotica. Mild. Shades before there were 50 shades. Yes, I mean, Fifty Shades is not erotica. We can have this conversation sometimes. Fifty Shades is just, it's just bizarre fiction. Okay, this is, it's just bizarre fiction. I, I tried to read it. It's just unreadable. It's so bad. But Shobha, they kind of pioneered a genre in India, which I don't think had been done till then. Again, it was mostly uh, romance masquerading as erotica. It was mostly that. But even then, for the 90s, it was still... You know, when we were talking, I mean, when, when, when you know, Tip Tip Barsapani in those days, it was still way beyond what we were used to. And of course, it was like everybody, like nobody would fess up to having like leaf through. So Starry Nights is a kind of book, for instance, that people would read. We wouldn't, you wouldn't bring it home, right? You would just basically leaf through during book fairs. And you would go to a book fair and you will <laughs> find that all these people, boys, mostly men, standing around and just leafing through that book. Okay. And so this is how really, I mean, I didn't even know Shobhade as a, as a political figure, as, as a member of Indian Liberati till very recently. I always thought of her and I, I actually happened to have met her once during Bangalore Lit Fest. 
um and she's and you know, she she's 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 very good she's very very you know she talks very well and she's of course you know that, that that's that's definitely true uh, unlike for instance chetan who's you know he's he's a very quiet man in in reality for those of you who don't know him he hardly ever talks but she's actually very you know she's you know in in a party she knows how to talk in a party so i'll i'll, I'll give her that uh but with respect to the latest controversy i mean as for those of you who don't know what's his name basit something i mean whenever i hear the basit i think basit absolutely, absolutely. And, and so this so this person said that you know she he approached uh, shobhade and then you know a, a, as a way of outreach for the pakistan government and then of course shobhade did this equally hilarious video in which she almost like was just like 1 cm away from going full ornob on us <laughs> yes comes up how dare you like if, if you remember arnab goswami's very favorite very famous never ever uh, so it uh. was it was almost that level that 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 never ever and and in a way it kind of made sense i mean why would you give money to or why would you try to influence noel dravid david to bowl badly right <laughs> or or abekur or or let's say ajit agarkar to bowl like a short uh, delivery outside off stump why would you pay him when he's doing it for free right why would you try to influence him to say what that person would in any case say so again i think what happens what's more realistic is i don't think that there was a one to one correlation between what and pakistan has a very very good game with respect to this kind of outreach i think what was more important if you look through shobhade's like mock outreach was where she says that this guy approached her that i think is more important she she mentions a particular lit fest and she mentions she doesn't say the name of the publisher but she talks about a publisher's party that i think is more significant than anything else the rest of it uh, i don't know what to believe or who to believe but that part i'm pretty sure is true so which which ask which you know immediately you have to ask this question why are these people being invited to exclusive this is not you know then just walking off the road these things are extremely exclusive parties okay so how does uh somebody like that guy get into these parties i think more than what shobhade said or didn't say i think that is more important because it's a more a systemic question of how pakistan basically does outreach for their narrative in india shobhade is in a way you know yes she has a you know people do discuss her but you know her influence is actually limited right but the very fact that this guy goes on to take her name i would say was kind of a warning shot to the other people she's not the only person the reason why she gets referred to by name was because this guy felt that she was the most expendable there are others whose name he did not take and the reason why he did not take is this was basically a warning shot to those people that hey remember what you are supposed to do do it otherwise i will take your name let's take the name just to show that and this is my hypothesis by the way so why would he like otherwise why would he go and basically compromise somebody who let's as presume did what he told her to do or influenced and and and, and if you know and i see when as in the us i get so when i was in dc uh i used to i mean there in in dc i i knew of then i was more in the insider circle this was around in 2000 2009 uh around before 2010 um i used to know of many of these things of of uh in dc there is a whole circle of lobbyists diplomats who want to influence who repeat who regularly do these i don't know what to call them but basically they have posters on kashmir and they call influencers in dc whether they be lobbyists or lawyers or senators or most importantly the assistants of senators so basically feed them information 
and they do these kinds of wine and dine hey wine and dine and let's look at the atrocities in kashmir and in though with those respects and sometimes i used to i used to be on the periphery of those email lists not really inside them and the fact is that pakistan had way better game than india i don't know if it has changed recently but it had a way better game in terms of its influencing and again as you know about what was his name uh, hold on so said gulam nabi fai so he was actually indicted uh, so as a, somebody who was working for the isi and influencing uh, people in washington dc so this is a fairly standard technique that pakistan has has adopted in terms of uh, you know doing these kinds of events and having people come and attend and many of our liberati like most of us are ultimately they you know if you if you give them a business class ticket or a first class ticket and you put them up in a five star hotel and you know you have a limo pick them up they'll come and it's not it's not the question of they they tell them that hey go and write these things but of course they you sit through a presentation you sit through multiple presentations and i remember i even did that too when i went to vegas i i, I not for, from pakistan but i sat through a, a presentation from a timeshare selling business so that i could <laughs> get to a show okay so me and my wife we had like nothing to do so we spent two hours listening to them and then you know these guys were very persuasive we if it had not been for my for my inherent miserliness maybe i would have bought something in a timeshare they were really persuasive but i just went there i told my wife look we're going to go and spend two hours of my life our life combined life to get two free tickets to a to a, a cirque du soleil show which is what we got again now the thing is that we went in very clearly uh, but ultimately these things do if people are expert marketers right and they do put in and you, you yourself and so i can understand part of shobhadeep's outrage because she feels hey i didn't do anything wrong and in a way i understand she possibly didn't but the fact that you go there and you listen to these guys ultimately you do get influence they 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 are they're doing a job and they're good at it they're basically manipulating you and you know sales people do that all the time again i think the larger problem is that india just doesn't have just it, it, we haven't invested at least not as much as i know we've not in, invested in doing this kind of outreach that pakistan does and i think they do it much better than we do okay and um, of course we we didn't have piggy chops priyanka chopra also in the news for quite some time oh, so man. i believe her uh, you know uh, whoever takes care of her pr probably noticed that and then of course we do have her on the news i have to admit i didn't follow the story too much i didn't see the video did you get a chance to I see did, the video of- i did i did see the video so the problem with priyanka chopra and this is This is a problem with Priyanka Chopra can it be the show title today please <laughs> i just okay, the problem with Priyanka <laughs> see the problem with Priyanka Chopra is that Priyanka Chopra's first her dad is in was in the army okay so i actually met her dad once so my 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 brush my closest brush with fame is having like a conversation with Priyanka Chopra's dad once upon a time and wow. so not priyanka chopra priyanka chopra's dad which which on which whom is the basically... road was named after in mumbai yeah so so this is this is this basically symptomatic of the tragedy of my own life is that i've almost famous if you remember that movie it's i'm i'm like that i'm almost famous so you not priyanka chopra but priyanka chopra's dad so uh, so priyanka chopra is you know think of it you know she's she she's an army daughter so of course of course I I don't doubt that you know she she considers herself an Indian. I don't think that she's you know a flag waving that kind of Indian. But she she does you know like most of us you know we we will not you know support the uh, Pakistani line on Kashmir. We just won't. It's an emotional issue for us. And for many of us, we then you know we intellectualize it. But ultimately, it's that we are Indians. Of course, we are not going to support the Pakistani line in India. Unfortunately, Priyanka Chopra, in order to in order to sell herself as the first you know indian let's take a step back 
in in the us you cannot still consider yourself indian and sell yourself you have to consider yourself south asian which is again a, an identity which just doesn't exist there's no south asian identity at all but she she has portrayed herself and you know this has been a conscious decision by her uh, by her pr is to portray her as portray her as a south asian star the first south asian breakout star except that she's nothing called south asian in terms of loyalty so she is an indian star but unfortunately indian is a bad word in hollywood it just is you can see it in you can see it in kamala harris you will not fess up to her indian origins it is important for priyanka chopra when she's trying to make her plain hollywood to not be perceived as indian but to be perceived as south asian you know so what is south asian and what how does south asian differ from indian so south asian means that this person does not confine herself that though she represents her ethnic group she does not confine her interests to the interests of any particular country which allows herself to be accepted by let's say pakistanis and other people in the same ethnic category this is a very very subtle game that 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 they play and and i totally understand why priyanka chopra would want to play that game because there is no doubt that priyanka chopra is the first first i'll use the word again south asian star to have such mainstream appeal in the us i think she's 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 a breakthrough artist and i think that you know 20 years down the line people will consider her her to be you know a path breaker in terms of what she has achieved um i don't think anybody else has and i'm pretty sure every night when aishwarya rai goes to bed she cries about that <laughs> uh because i i honestly feel ashwarya rai was way ahead in the race she could have done it she was suitable in all all respects but she just couldn't do it she was also in a way like me almost famous <laughs> i mean i'm sure ashwarya rai is very famous in india but if you really really ask her she would have wanted to be where priyanka chopra is today and she did pink panther and everything but i i don't know how far this was true uh, but one of the stories about ash was that uh, she gave up working in hitch to work in the gurinder chadda movie she, I, because she felt that's probably a more on brand again she again ultimately it comes down to wrong decisions right in in life ultimately it comes exactly. down to wrong decisions seem perfectly fine at that point of time i I'd, i'd never heard of this by the way before but again the point again is that she 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 has to she has to present herself as a as a south asian star which is why if you recall there was this and i have i haven't seen that show what was the name of that show again uh, quantico one? Okay. Quantico, Quantico. Where, yeah, never seen where, it. Where, where, where she goes and busts Hindu terrorists. So I think she was working towards it. She was working towards that, you know, broader uh, South South Asian identity. Till suddenly she gets ambushed by this sudden question asked by a by a very very shrill Pakistani activist, basically asking her to condemn, you know, Indian action in Kashmir. That's essentially what the question was. and she basically said you know lord i'm not doing it i'm an indian i'm not i'm not going to be condemning it i and that was really the true priyanka chopra i think most of us when faced in that same quest if you if you you ever found if i was priyanka chopra that's exactly what i would say i think that priyanka chopra reacted perfectly fine and i and i think that for that at least for the 10 you know 1 minute or you know, 45 seconds or 60 seconds without pr being herself and so she reacted also in a really real emotional way to that you know lady basically haranguing her you know saying why aren't you condemning it she said basically said i'm not going to and you better sit your ass down that's what she essentially what she said now i, <laughs> I think that unfortunately if she wants to sell herself as a as a south asian star kyun kyu hasan minhaj uh you have to uh adopt another stance which again hasan minhaj since again but hasan minhaj is not is not you know it's not scripted and hasan minhaj again is is different from priyanka chopra 
somehow I, whenever I say Hasan Minaj, I don't know if it's, this is just me, but I keep on thinking Nicki Minaj. <laughs> okay. So last week I, I asked you about, uh, you know, how shocked you were when Sonia Gandhi became the Congress chief. This week, let me uh, ask you a different one. How shocked were you that uh, Ravi Shastri is renewed as a coach for the next two years? So this is, as I tweeted once, that I think the, the Tom Moody and all these guys, they now f- exactly can understand what ambitious congressmen and women feel being part of Congress. That it doesn't really matter what presentations they make or what records they have. Ultimately, the job is going to go to this one person or basically this person who has this last name. So I think many bosses like to, you know, again, I'd said this on Twitter, like to kick down and kiss up. And Ravi Shastri is the only guy who does the opposite. (laughs) Actually, kicks up and kisses down. Which makes him perhaps the greatest manager ever. See the, the the problem, and let, let's just look at why I feel this is really, really terrible. It's not that Ravi Shastri has a bad record as a coach. That's not true. He doesn't have a bad record as a coach, but that's primarily because he is he is the coach of possibly one of the best teams that India has ever had. And the reason why it's the best one of the, it's not a question of batting. I think India have had India has had much better batting lineups before. It's just that the bowling. In terms of bowling, ultimately, it's bowlers who win matches. It's not batsmen. Batsmen save matches. India just has this bowling attack is by far the best bowling attack that India has ever ever had. And again, I'm speaking purely from experience from my about 30 years of watching Indian cricket. That by far, this is the most varied and most versatile of all Indian bowling attacks. And Ravi Shastri has been privileged to basically be off their their achievements now the reason why so let's look at why we need a coach why do we need a coach people like Shane Warren have argued that you know teams you know national teams don't need coaches and he had a problem with John Buchanan so perhaps that's one of the reasons why he says that you know there's no need for a coach and India went for a long period uh, in between without a coach right without a coach and for Shane Warren I think that's a perfectly valid thing coming from Shane Warren a person of absolutely no personal discipline to say that there is no need for a coach. It's, 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 it's instructive to see where this objection is coming from. It's coming from one person that is Shane Warne. And for those of us who know Shane Warne, we know the kind of person that Shane Warne is. He's a person of absolutely no discipline. Of course, immense personal ability as a player, but absolutely zero discipline as that, that also comes with being Shane Warne. And that is why he never became the Australian captain. Because he just, even though he is definitely is a very great tactical brain, it's just that he doesn't have that, he doesn't have that leadership in him. It's not so much that he doesn't understand cricket or he doesn't understand strategy. I think as as the coach come captain of uh, Rajasthan Royals with a team which was not that great, he showed that he actually has the ability to lead, you know, sub essentially substandard teams to punch way above their weight category. He, he does have that. But unfortunately, his personality, and the reason why I'm talking so much about Shane Warren, I'll, I'll, I'll explain why it's important, is that he just doesn't have the personal discipline to be a leader of a team. And when you're a leader of the national side, it's not just a, can you lead 11 people out on the field? It is in a way also, are you being a role model? Are you being somebody that, you know, some kid who's holding his bat for the first time and he's imagining that he wants to be you. Are you that person? And and Shinwon wasn't that person. And unfortunately, neither is Virat Kohli. Virat Kohli for all his, and I'm a huge fan of Virat Kohli, the batsman. Even to some extent, Virat Kohli, the captain. Virat Kohli, the batsman, definitely. But he is a person who unfortunately leads, needs a very, very strong hand in order to make him be what a national captain should be. And, and 
Anil Kumble was that strong hand. For me, the reason why you have a coach of, a, of the Indian side is not that the coach is actually teaching any of those guys to play, right? I, and Ravi Shastri is obviously not in any shape or form. And when I say form, I mean it in every sense of the word. And shape to, as well. <laughs> to teach, you know, a Rohit Sharma how to bat or to teach a Kuldeep Yadav how to bowl. Because Ravi Shastri as a talent is a very, very mediocre cricketing talent. Very mediocre cricketing talent. And again, people will say that as a coach, it doesn't matter. Because at the highest level, it doesn't matter how good the coach is or how technically sound the coach is. I don't think that even Tom Moody is particularly very technically competent in either respect, either as a bowler or as a batsman. I mean, if for those of you who, who followed Tom Moody while he used to play, he was essentially a good T20 player. He missed the T20 bus, he would have been a very rich T20 player. But even in one-day internationals, he was essentially the Yusuf Pathan of Australia. Essentially. A working one, though. Yeah, he was basically looked also the tall. He looked like Yusuf right. Pathan. He played like Yusuf Pathan for Australia too. That was surprises. He was a great uh, coach, though. Unfortunately, yeah, sure. But but as a, but as a player, he was Yusuf Pathan. And when he when he was at his highest, when he was at his strongest, that was when Australia had its worst World Cup, which was in 1992, when its leading light was Tom Moody. So this tells you something about Tom Moody as a player, but it doesn't tell you something as Tom Moody as a coach. So the thing about the thing, the reason why you need a coach for at the highest level is the exact same reason why you need verification and validation and quality control in any software organization. You don't need it to teach your developers how to code. You need it to create some kind of checks and balances for how they're doing things. So the the role of a coach is essentially for an Indian cricket team is to be like HR. Seriously, just to be like HR to make sure that the captain does not get to call his shots on everything, that there is some kind of supervision or some kind of oversight that exists. So for instance, if a player has a problem with the captain, he can go and talk to the coach. In this case, of course, he cannot. Because the coach is indebted to the captain. So this is the basis of an extremely dysfunctional organization, which the Kapil Devs of the world have allowed to continue. It is essential for the coach to not be a friend of the captain. He cannot be, you know, Shah Rukh Khan of Mohabbate, which is really what Ravi Shastri is. <laughs> Ravi Shastri's role is Shah Rukh Khan of Mohabbat. That's what he is. He's there to promote love stories. That's what he is. Okay, and that's that's and I understand that sections of the team love him for that. But that is not the role of the coach. The role of the coach isn't to be the cool teacher. He is not his role. His role is to be the stern headmaster. His role it is to have exercise some kind of control over the captain's decisions. Now, it's true that the captain ultimately is responsible for the decisions on the field. But it's the responsibility. And, and there we've seen this time and time again. That the reason why Ravi Shastri is the coach is just this and enables Virat Kohli to be essentially to do whatever he pleases in terms of strategy and in terms of player selection. And it's, it's alarming to me that we have the second you know, the second best batsman, I would make a strong claim that this is not true for test cricket, of course, but for limited versions, which is really what counts, you have a very, very public spat between Rohit Sharma and, and Virat Kohli. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's, it's played out through Instagram and everything, but, but that's really a, you know, a function of the times. Uh, but it's, it's very obvious that, that they're not seeing eye to eye on many things. And, and, if I was Rohit Sharma, I would be mightily pissed off at the thing. You know, who am I going to approach? I mean, the coach is in the captain's pocket. That's why he's the coach. So where can I get any kind of fair ar arbitration? And this is, this is going to be a systematic problem. I'm not saying that we currently have a problem, but in case there is any kind of, anybody has some kind of problem with the way 
Kohli is doing his captaincy. Let's all agree that Kohli is not particularly great with people. He's not. I mean, he's no Rahul Dravid in that respect. Is that who? Who are they going to go to really? Uh, to come, kind of complain about Kohli? There is no oversight. I'm not saying this again. There's anything to complain about him. I'm just saying that it's the nature and it's the job of the coach to be that neutral arbiter between the players and the and the captain to make sure that the captain's selection and the captain's strategy is being independently reviewed. That he is essentially a quality control guy, and that Ravi Shastri absolutely isn't. As we have seen, his basic role is to give Virat Kohli a shoulder massage. That's really what he. That's really what he does, and the fact that he is publicly seen giving a shoulder massage to Virat Kohli is not just—it's—it's it's not just purely a question of optics, but it tells the rest of the side that hey, guess what? This guy is the undisputed boss. If you get on his wrong side, then God save you. All right, so we've kind of uh, buried the, the the main news which has been. Dominating headlines everywhere right now. So coming to Kashmir, JNK, what I wanted to ask you this week, Arnav, was, you know, I know we spoke we spoke about it in length uh, last week, but uh, this week one of the things which at least on in local news we keep hearing is that uh, now the, this issue Pakistan has successfully internationalized. That's a new word which I've seen uh, over and over again. We, you know uh, that Kashmir is on the news everywhere. People all are talking about it, and in a very negative sense for India. So, barring that half-assed attempt by Hasan Minhaj, with without any context, such as he does, what I wanted to ask you is: Have you seen any mention of it in no. your local news coverage? There, absolutely not. Nobody gives a flying f about what's going on in India. Uh, either way, it doesn't matter what is going on. Americans, first of all, American. Americans are by nature, in uh, unlike Europeans, I would say, who are much more global and internationalistic in their outlook. Americans are very, very insular. They really don't care about what's going on in any part of the world unless it involves Americans. And by Americans, I don't mean they sees who went and got their, you know, their green card became U.S. citizens. No, that's not there. That's not the kind, the kind of Americans they're concerned about. Essentially concerned about white Americans. So if a white American gets held hostage by Iran, yes, that's the only time that people will hear about Iran. During this, that's what happened during the Iran Iranian hostage situation, where quote unquote real Americans were held hostage by the Iranians. Other than that, American news coverage is solely bereft of any kind of international news at all. And even if they have some kind of international news, it's mostly Europe-centric. It has got, unless of course there are terrorists. Terrorists get make news because they're always perceived to be against America and hence an existential threat to America. But India, Kashmir, Pakistan, most people have no idea what was going on because it doesn't get any mainstream press coverage. Now, of course, New York Times will write something about it, but New York Times writes something about everything, right? There's one thing that I would wish to wish to make clear that you know one of the most terrible things about New York Times is that their entire India coverage is led by it's a guy called Basharat Peer, who's a who's at the best you know very very vocal Kashmiri separatist, and so of course what kind of coverage are you going to get in New York Times? I mean. Nobody knows any better, and he's the guy who's calling the shots. So of course you have, of course you have the coverage which is absolutely, totally biased. So I don't know if you saw, but there was a one of the one of the main and one of, was one of the main pieces that was being circulated everywhere was written by a guy called Manam Mohammad Hanif. Mohammad Hanif is a Pakistani author. Okay. Who wrote a book called? You know, he wrote a many. I think it's more books, but I, the only book that I had read of him was a case of exploding mangoes. So these are the guys who are writing. So the people who are writing on Kashmir are all Pakistanis. It's like exactly like expecting. You know, they're not letting Priyanka Chopra write an op-ed for New York, right? <laughs> right, for, right. Presenting the Indian side. The Priyanka Chopra has to do with her own press appearance, but they're getting all the Kashmir stuff being written by Pakistanis. So what exactly are you going to get? 
And this is this is the criminal thing. The criminal thing with New York Times is not that, that people are saying, oh, but New York Times, look at they're presenting an opinion. Yes, sure, you're presenting an opinion. That's great. But present the other side also. And you will not have a fair shake. You will not have the other side being presented purely because of the personnel that they have chosen to go with. So, who Basharat Peer is, uh, Vikram, do you know what he's, what he's most no. famous for in terms of Bollywood? I've heard of him, no. no. So, he's the guy who's, who wrote the script for Haider. Oh, okay. So, if you've seen the movie, Haider, then you exactly know what he, who he is. Oh, okay. man. Oh. And, and of course, on the other side, yeah, I, mean, I was trying to find the tweet, uh, you know, while doing this. But basically, I saw this one bizarre tweet by um, Sanjay Jha. I can't find the tweet, so I'm just paraphrasing what I remember. So basically, he was asking folks in the whole uh, Hong Kong saga, do you support the Chinese state or do you support the protesters? Now, coming home, do, uh, which side of the Kashmir issue are you on? I mean, can there be a more self-goal tweet by somebody? I just, I mean, if somebody flips the question back to him, no, the, problem with, the problem with Sanjay Jha is he's symptomatic of the problem of Congress. That that Congress that, that Congress party again, it's 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 mind-boggling. And I think this is what some of the and this is interesting that you mention it. I think that the recent you know, keeping Sonia Gandhi as the as, as the president when there's so many other people. I think the Congress. I think many people in Congress realize that that their that their furthering of essentially a narrative which goes against the interests of the country. It, it, it's just not getting them anywhere. That their virulent anti-Modism is actually making them. I mean, ultimately, see, Basharat Peer isn't running for election in India. Okay, he doesn't care. But Congress, in a way, right. has to right. run for election in India. He has to ask for votes from the same people that they're vilifying. It just doesn't matter. man. I mean, I'm not saying who, what Sanjay Jha personally believes. But if you want to persist as a political party, and I, for one, am absolutely positive that this nation needs Congress. It needs a left, a center left alternative. Okay. It's no good for a democracy when you have only one political party. It was not good when Congress was that one party, and it's not good when BJP is that one party. Any democracy in order to be functioning needs a very, very strong opposition party. I I come from Bengal, where the state was destroyed, destroyed by this one party rule, the Communist Party of India, Marxist. It was not so much a function of their beliefs it was part of it but it was that they didn't even have any opposition that was the problem it was different in kerala where they would alternate the communists would alternate with the congress but in bengal there was no opposition absolutely none there was only mamata Banerjee shouting at a street corner she was the only that was why i voted for mamata Banerjee at one point of time the only time i ever did vote for someone and i actually used to like her because she was the only person in Bengal, who was posing some kind of genuine opposition to the Communist Party of India Marxist, and but everybody else other than her was essentially in the CPM's pockets. Only her. She was the only person who was genuinely, who genuinely could not be bought out. She could not be bought out. She could not be scared into. So that was the real reason why I used to admire her at one point of time. Because, hey, he was this person who, unlike anybody else, could neither be bought out nor could she be scared. She kept on shouting and ultimately, you know, she won. But again, the point that I'm trying to make is it's very essential in any functioning democracy for there to be a strong opposition. And when, when Sanjay Jha and all these people, and again, Sanjay Jha is, nobody cares about him beyond Twitter, right? So it doesn't matter. But when you have Vijay Singh going to in the opening a book, which basically says that 2611 was an RSS conspiracy. You know, this guy, you know, Sanjay Jha and, 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 and Digvijay Singh are not similar, right? Sanjay Jha is, is a nobody really outside Twitter and outside some of these English channels. But Digvijay Singh used to be a chief minister of a 
in a pretty important state and he is he's always been an advisor and close confidant of the gandhi family so when they do these kinds of when they say osama ji and all these things what they don't realize is that they fundamentally they fundamentally saw away at the legs on which a national party has to stand and a national party has to stand on the basis of the national interest okay even if you look and i know that i myself say that we should not compare indian politics to american politics but even the most left liberal of political candidates in the us the bernies and the kamalas and the warrens okay they will never say they will never publicly and any of their aides will if they say that 911 was an insider job they would i mean i don't know what they believe in but if they say it if any of them say it their political career is gone forever okay even somebody like bill maher okay who's pretty out of the mainstream even he kicks out people who come to his show and say that 911 is is an insider job in india these guys are mainstream they're people who are saying that you know that batla house was essentially an insider job that it was set up right with batla house just came out you know right. you have sonia gandhi who said you know remember vik vijay singh saying that sonia gandhi apparently wept yes yes and you wonder why these guys don't win elections and the congress decides to basically hang its hat on exactly this these guys so i i i think this is important that you know that the congress there were sections in the congress who wanted actually genuinely wanted to move beyond that pernicious and malignant family that that controls that party they just failed and we have the same party basically saying as as you said who are trying to undermine and again the point is you you may choose to believe whatever you do and you may choose to discuss whatever you do in the confines of your living room but if you want to be if you want to play electoral politics in the country you cannot be so 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 far away from what the people actually want you just cannot and 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 this 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 almost disintegration of the congress is tragic because honestly the bjp does need a national alternative it does need because it is needed it doesn't yeah. matter whether it's good or bad but you know the a more combination of amit shah and modi people say fascism 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 well you guess what if there is no opposition that's exactly what's going to happen it it doesn't matter you know this is exactly coming back to ravi shastri if you don't have a ravi if you don't have an anil kumble you know keeping watch on on virat kohli and virat kohli could be the most important person he is the final boss he gets to take the final call that's absolutely fine we're not saying we're not we don't want a situation like what happened when greg chapel was there where greg chapel was basically made the final call no the captain has to be made the final call the the coach exists to support him in at the highest level but support also means some kind of supervision in electoral politics and democracy it has to be the congress and we see with respect to you know article 370 how how terrible the congress's reaction has been and again if you remember there were some members of the congress who actually supported the yes, abrogation of yes, yes. article 370 because these guys are smart people they realize that look guys you know i have to get elected okay these are my electorate even somebody from tmc if i remember right but these people but even even arvind kejriwal okay had yes. to say this because yeah. arvind kejriwal knows that you know he can't win an election in delhi by saying no 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 this is not right i do i am pretty sure arvind kejriwal personally believes it to be the other way around but it doesn't matter honestly it doesn't matter that arvind kejriwal believes personally it's if he, he can go and tell his friends who cares what's important is what the public pronouncement is that is really what matters and on something like this you know it's just shocking to see that there are so many parties in sections within the congress that it just is not getting the message and i cannot stress as to how dangerous this is for indian democracy that uh, that uh, the the major opposition of the bjp is increasingly increasingly i would say absolutely focused on cutting off its 
you know, cut, cutting off any semblance is basically death by a thousand cuts and the cuts are being inflicted by itself. By themselves, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, today, in fact, I'm just, just recapping our podcast. That's uh, is, is that our podcast for today, by the way? It is our podcast for today. Okay. So, uh, so we've discussed, we started off with Super Deluxe, Shobha Dev, Priyanka Chopra went to cricket with Ravi Shastri and then Kashmir and Congress. So, Help me out here, and this goes out to all our listeners. Often, folks ask me, "What is this podcast about? What is Attention Place about?" And seriously, even when we've had such a wide variety of topics, I find it very hard to describe this podcast in a single sentence. So, uh, you know what we're going to do? Why don't you folks just uh, we'll tweet it out? Why don't you try to come up with a tweet which tells us what this podcast is all about? What do you think, um, uh, Can we have that? Ask people to sure, define absolutely. this podcast for us. Yes. Again, I, I think one of the reasons why it's very difficult to characterize this podcast is because this is this is not a new problem. I've had the same problem characterizing my blog. Blog. <laughs> In those days, and again, this is this is a long time ago. There was a there, there were people who used to be experts on how to monetize blogs. Okay. Believe it or not. And one of the things, one of the main things I used to say is that your blog needs to have a, a kind of unity of purpose. A focus. Then you cannot just talk about this thing the next day, this day, and another thing the next day. You you can you have to cater to a certain niche, uh, usually tech, and uh, your Google AdWords. So in those days, Google AdWords was the main thing. That you know, once you do, once you keep writing on the same topic, your Google AdWords can start coming out right. Because I remember that when I used to write posts, the Google AdWords, at one point in time, I used to run Google AdWords. The ads I used to get were for Islamic marriages. <laughs> Islamic dating site. That's what I used to get. So, again, the, the, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of, my, uh, most of my readers were not clicking those links. I, I'm guessing. Because I mean, I, I'm guessing right. Because I used to make like $2.25 a month. Uh, so, it, 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 it tells you that the Western and I used to get, let me tell you the ads I used to get, which kind of tell you about what my topics were. Islamic marriage sites, buying cricket bats. Buying cricket bats. I used to get a lot of those buying cricket bats. Okay. And I used to get, uh, and I used to get uh, advertisements. There was no advertisements on movies, by the way. I never used to get advertisements on movies. I used to get very generic advertisements on things which I didn't think that my blog had anything to do with. And I used to get a lot of this this Islamic matrimonials. I used to get Hindu no, uh, Viagra or Cialis. a lot of matrimonial ads, by the way, from my blog, which, which had nothing to do with romance at all, by the way. As those of you who know me know I'm the most unromantic person possible. So I don't know why why matrimonials, but... Again, I think that was a function of the fact that my blog was very difficult for even the automated uh, machine learning techniques to even understand <laughs> what my blog was about. Uh, because I am myself in a very eclectic kind of person. I mean, I have opinions on everything and my blog was again a reflection of the fact that I'm looking at different things and I'm talking about different things. And this podcast is also like that. I don't think that we'll ever have any kind of thematic thematic unity in this in this podcast at all like Absolutely. just like there was no thematic in, in and that was why it was called random thoughts of a demented mind because <laughs> they were random and they were in a way demented Absolutely. and that that's what uh, at least that's personally why i love this podcast and uh, as always let me remind you of the patreon account uh, patreon.com slash great bong where you can support arnab in the best possible way by giving money and uh, that's pretty much our podcast for today and uh, yeah, until next time, take care. 